Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this is the Rugby Tonight podcast. On this week's show, Ollie Phillips and Laura Wright joined us in the studio as we look ahead to the return of European competition with the Champions and Challenge Cup quarterfinals coming up this weekend. Here's the best of our Rugby Tonight insight and analysis from Brian O'Driscoll, Austin Healy, Craig Dahl, Sarah Elgin and our studio guests. Wow, what a week of rugby we have in store. Now, earlier on in the week, Craig had the opportunity to go down and visit some of the Lenstrom backroom staff and speak to one man that has gone down an absolute storm. You know, it's a difficult position when you've lost your job as a national coach. Um, you sort of sit down thinking, right, what's the next step? I've got two bits of advice. One from Wayne Smith was get back to doing what you love, which was coaching. And Wayne Bennett, who's the Australian rugby league coach, he'd said to me, wherever you go, make sure you 100% want to go and they 100% want you to come. And that's how it feels here and that's why it's worked so well. We'll, of course, be hearing more from the Leinster camp later in the show, but I'd like you to give a special rugby tonight welcome to the Harlequin ladies team. And, of course, continuing the European theme, our special guest is the all-round good guy, former Stad and Gloucester, England seven-star, Ollie Phillips. Fair to say, Holly's quite excited to be here, as we all are as well. OK, big news. Congratulations, first of all, to Stuart Hogg, who has been voted the RBS Six Nations Player of the Tournament for the second year running. Here's the moment he found out. He's won the Six Nations Player of the Season for the oh. second Nice to see Gregor Townsend gave him a really elaborate um, award ceremony there. Well, well done to Stuart Hogg. And also, special mention as well from my point of view, Owen Farrell, I thought he must have been very close. A great tournament. Moving on then. British and Irish Lions, I'm sure both those guys will be on the tour, but it's going to be reduced from 10 weeks to 8 weeks from 2021 as part of the changes to the global calendar introduced by World Rugby. The tours moved from June to July. The home unions resisted calls to reduce the schedule even further to seven fixtures and tours will remain at eight matches. Staying with the British and Irish Lions, we want to know what players you think have an outside chance of being on the plane to New Zealand. Who are your Lions bolters? Tommy Taylor, perhaps Ian Henderson. My money's on Denny Solomona, who is also now eligible to play for England. We want to know your thoughts at the usual place at Rugby Tonight. We'll read some of those out later on in the show. And finally... Congratulations to Ugo Monya and Lucy Monya on the birth of little Phoenix Lily Monya. Born 10.31, weighing in at a whopping £5.7 ounces, just in time to make Mother's Day the most special of all days. Well done, Ugo, who I'm sure you won't be watching this because as a new dad, like most of us, you'll be in bed. 
Okay, let's take a look at the weekend's view Premiership matches then. It was round 18 and the pressure was well and truly on. The international players were back with their clubs and for so many, there was still so much to play for. So this is how it left the table. Uh, Wasps are the first team to qualify for the playoffs this year. Of course, they're still going to scrap for a home semi-final, but at the moment they are first past the post. Exeter in pretty good shape as well, as are Saracens. You feel those two are, are going to battle out with Wasps for that home advantage come knockout time. Then you've got a fierce battle going on between Leicester Tigers, Bath Rugby, who let it slip this weekend. Harlequins just on the outskirts of that. Still four rounds left, still a maximum of 20 league points available, of course, so nothing is impossible. Saints, well, certainly they dropped off this weekend as well. Don't forget, top six go play Champions Cup Rugby next season, and seventh place will go through a kind of a playoff with Pro 12 teams for the honour of playing the Europe tops tier next season. Gloucester still in the mix for that one. But you feel Worcester Warriors Two bonus points in that loss really has given them a good enough lead over Bristol at the bottom of nine points to see them play Premiership Rugby next season. It is looking very tough for Bristol indeed, but fair play to Harlequins. They played a really, really good game and, uh, you know, top six rugby, they'd be happy with that, I guess, at the end of it. Yeah, it was a good win, wasn't it? Um, let's go back and talk about Saracens, though, because they probably missed their internationals more than ever, really, this season in the Six Nations break. But with them back at the weekend, Oz, they were phenomenal, especially in that second half. Yeah, they really were. Mark McCall actually made a good point. They had one point more at this stage last season than they've currently got before the game at the weekend. But I think it's more about the making a statement. It's always good when you come back from the Six, six Nations to get back into club rugby as quickly as you can. Because, uh, as you we were saying, you could quite easily with the Saracen squad rest a few players. But you want to send out a message, and boy did they do that, with an amazing second-half performance. And some players that we haven't seen much of this year, Billy Vunapola, Owen Farrell in a Saracen shirt, and Chris Ashton in particular was, uh, was on really good form. Billy and Mako, actually, they carried so hard, so strong, didn't they? Yeah, England have really missed their, their, you know, their carrying ability. It was a bit, they were a bit quiet, the pair, actually, over in Dublin. You know, credit to Ireland, but uh, they certainly backed to their best for Saracens. And, you know, Itoji, they've just got so many different options. But I think Mako, you know, gives you that go forward, really strong carrying, particularly on the, on the surface that they love to play on. Um, you know, and they just look very, very good. Um, you know, able to carry the ball. Uh, Billy, you know, very, very strong as well. And they, they just... They understand the game that they're trying to play, Saracens, and clearly those two in particular. He was up against his cousin, Toby Falatau. Really looked forward to that head-to-head -head and, you know, got his side on, on the front foot. What you always see, though, at Allianz Park is when sides play against them, everybody goes high in the tackle. So in a lot of ways, it's easier to keep your leg drive going. It's easier to make extra yards. When they play on grass fields, they get chopped a lot more and they have to restart their game in a different fashion. They get lots and lots of momentum at Allianz Park. We saw that in the second half. I mean, really impressive performance. It's fair to say Bath contributed to their own downfall. They, uh, you know, they were their own worst enemies, but Saracens were very impressive. And the theme of the Lions selection hung heavy over Allianz Park, and no doubt about it, Owen Farrell won the Battle of the Tens. But the other names that have popped up, Alex Good had a great game, and not surprisingly, the Saracens cap saying he has to be considered. But other players from Saracens will be considered. They will be in the mix, even Sean Maitland, perhaps. Uh, Chris Ashton, no doubt about that. Denny Solomona, the sail winger, is in the mix, and he hasn't played for England yet. He's just said he will play for them. What does that say about the standard of wingers available for the Lions, that none of the Six Nations names are really in the mix? Yeah, I think that makes a really good point. I think the fact that Solomona's name is being bandied around and he's uh, great, you know, he's a terrific strike record. I think he's he's nine in the last eight games. We've no international experience. Should uh, go to Ashton, the line sport and have a look at him. Okay, actually, absolutely. Yeah. About it. Ashton um, has been in the in the international wilderness for um, for quite some time now. Obviously, serving a number of bands, uh, but he had a couple of tries of the weekend. I really like him as a winger. 
don't know if he's the right type of winger for Dan, uh, Dan in New Zealand. Um, I have to say, the more I watch of this guy, Solomona, the bigger fan I become. Uh, brilliant physicality to his game, good aerially, does all the simple things uh, really effectively. And yes, he's going to be lacking in experience, but he, he brings that brute force that you're going to need for, for an attritional game. Um, we look down at, uh, at North, he's the other guy. So yeah, he's, by his standards, I don't think he's been at his best. But what we saw in, in the Ireland game, Wales-Ireland game, if you can get George North playing anything like that, I think he's a shoe-in. So I like the balance of those two. Maitland, you know, he was on the tour four years ago. You know, he, yeah, I think he's had a reasonable season, uh, playing relatively well with, with Saracens, but I don't see him sneaking in. But it does say an awful lot that I don't know if we can quite compete with the standard of winger that New Zealand have in Naholo, uh, in Sevilla, in Milner-Scudder. I think they definitely have the edge in that position, and it's somewhere that they'll look to target the Lions. Christian Wade hasn't made his name up on the board yet. Not yet, stage, not yet. yet. Um, and he had a fantastic uh, game last weekend, played really well. Um, couple of tries. It's an, he brings something really different. Uh, the thing about Christian Wade is he's a small guy in stature, but he is powerful. That left fend is wicked. So um, he, he was brought to, uh, to, the, to the, uh, 2013 tour. Um, I think he was, he was touring in, in Argentina at the, at the time. And what he is, he's a brilliant tourist. He brings a great fun and an energy to things. So you could do worse than having him in your setup. Interesting. That's going to feature heavily tonight, isn't it? The Lions well, board, indeed, yeah. yeah. But I tell you who didn't have a particularly good day at the office were Bath's Lions hopefuls on Sunday. And this is what Todd Blackadder had to say post-match. There's no point in moping. We can't look for excuses. We've got to find a way to, to show some more fight. And I think, we, I think the really disappointing thing was we actually had a really good plan. We just didn't execute it. And that's due to pressure. So we've got to answer those questions and, and get back to playing some good rugby. Well, that was Bath's worst defeat, I think, in 15 years. And you looked at their team on Sunday, particularly that back line, and there's no way they should have lost that game by that much. I think it's just a bit cumulative, isn't it? They've, they've not played well since Christmas. They were OK before Christmas, but never really outstanding. They, they won games a with a lot of... A good start to the season. Though. Yeah, but in all of those wins, and they had a really easy start in terms of the sides they played against, they've not done particularly well against sides that are above them now. And that's probably the story of their season. They've got a very competitive pack, but they just drop off in terms of power. And like you said, the back line that really should be feeding off more ball, but they just don't have as much possession as we've seen them have in previous seasons. I'm delighted to say Ollie Phillips is with us tonight. Ollie, we're going to talk about your time at Stad and England Sevens throughout the course of the night, but uh, you're here for a very, very special reason tonight. Just briefly tell us what it's all about. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I'm here this evening just to chat about uh, the Lift the Weight campaign that just got launched with, through the RPA and, uh, and addressing, I guess, some of the mental health issues that come with uh, players during and post, post their careers. How big a problem is it? I, th I think it's, uh, it's, it's a case of being proactive at, at this present moment in time. I think, uh, you know, where players end up and, uh, and the excitement is such a brilliant game that we played and, and I guess institution that we live in and the clubs that, we, that, that look after us. When, when you leave it, it's, it's, you know, it's tough and whether that's injury that ends that or also the, even during your career, the insecurities of whether you get picked or you don't get picked. There's a, there's a huge sort of mental... Uh, roller coaster that, that the players go through, and uh, and I think it's a credit to the RPA and a credit to the rugby family that, that you know that's it's recognised and it's not something that's just relevant for, for rugby players. You know, this is something that that happens to lots of people throughout their 
their lives, whether that's on a rugby field or off a rugby field. And uh, it's about encouraging people to come out and speak about it and share that experience and share those anxieties and, and I guess, get rid of some of the stigma that comes with it. I've asked players about this before, and the, the best analogy they gave me, they said, imagine, and I guess we can all relate to this and everyone at home, imagine you've got um, a presentation to do in work, and a week or two weeks before that, you're pretty nervous about it, and you know, you get that dry mouth thing. We all, we've all had that, right? Imagine that every single week. After your game, you do a video session on the Monday, and it starts all over again, all over again. I mean, that level of stress constantly has got to wear someone down. Yeah, I mean, I've got dry mouth now, obviously, of course. Uh, I mean, you're, you're right, 100%. That it's such an amazing... Uh, lifestyle that you lead for, for you know, 10, 15 years if you're, if you're lucky with your career and you have these huge emotional highs that build up to the weekend and then you get immediate feedback, win or lose, come in the Monday, do it all over again and you know, if you lose it's a big low, if you, if, if you win it's a big high and you know, that is, it's addictive, it's an, it's an addictive environment to, to live in and you know, playing in front of amazing people like, like people in this room week in, week out, it, it's, it's something that you, you cherish and when you leave it's, you know, it's a bit of a hole to fill. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, you've got to go out and you've got to go and, and start all over again and start a new career. And, and this Lift the Weight campaign is about helping players address that, focus on, on the next steps and, and I guess letting them know they're not alone. You know, they're not, not on their own. And that's the messaging. Talk to someone. Don't be embarrassed about talking. That applies to everybody in yeah, life, really. Sure, sure. Talk. Yeah. Talking makes things better. Holly, thanks so much. We're going to talk a bit later yeah, on. Yeah, great. Yeah, to it. So here's a recap then on the weekend's European rugby results, starting with the Guinness Pro 12. And uh, Leinster maintained top spot in Guinness Pro 12 table following a nervy 22-21 win over Cardiff Blues at a sunny RDS. The Ospreys are still in third, but a shock loss, a 13-5 loss to Treviso in Italy means that the Ospreys are now six points behind leaders Leinster and four adrift of second place Munster. Munster accumulated 50 points against their Brent Palmer um, and they'll be looking forward to the return of Conor Murray and Simon Zebo and CJ Sander and Keith Earls. As for Connacht, well, their top six aspirations took a massive blow when Scott's turn as Glasgow Warriors clinched a bonus point win there. 35-24 was the final score. Connacht are now what, scrambling for a Champions Cup place next season, possibly. Um, in other results, the Scarlets beat Edinburgh 26-10 at Parker Scarlets on Friday night. And the Newport Gwent Dragons lost at home to Ulster. 27-17, the final score there. Right, let's have a wee peek at the top 14. La Rochelle with the bigger winners this weekend with a 23-13 away win at Poe. They now haven't lost in the top 14 since mid-November. Unbelievable stuff. They're now assured at least sixth place at the end of year and a place in Les Barrages. That's a French Sara. Stade Francais and Rassi 92 both registered impressive wins after their games were postponed last weekend following that shambles, that failed merger between the two clubs. The wins were against Toulon and Clermont respectively. Not a good result for the away teams ahead of their Champions Cup matches this weekend. Elsewhere, Brieve, Grenoble and Bordeaux all <laughs> registered narrow victories. All of that means that La Rochelle continue to exceed expectations and extend their lead at the top of the table. But it's as you were for the remainder of the top four with Clermont, Montpellier and Toulon. Cast and Poe swap places on points difference while Racine move up towards the champion club places. Elsewhere, the traditionally big clubs of Toulouse and Stade Francais are lingering in the bottom half of the table. Funny old league, isn't it? Right, attention now turns to the European quarterfinals. Here on BT Sport, we have two absolutely massive games.
<laughs> right, we will be over in Dublin for the big, uh, big game, but um, Craig went there. Well, you live there, so you didn't technically go over there, but you know what I mean. He went to Leinster and he spoke to the senior coach, Stuart Lancaster, as well as some of the other players ahead of their big match against Wasps. <laughs> Let me take you back 20 years. Donnybrook was the beating heart of Leinster rugby. I remember watching Leinster play Munster here in the mid-90s in front of about 2,000 people. You wanted to play for Leinster, but it wasn't an absolute mad desire. It was sort of you wanted to play for Ireland, but to get to Ireland, you, you had to play for your province first, so it was Leinster first. Europe was the big driver, in my opinion. Then once Munster started winning, Leinster started winning. It's like anything. People want to replicate success and want to be part of it. Roll on to 2009, a European semi-final in Crow Park, and 82,206 people watched that match that day. That's how much provincial rugby has grown in this country. That's how much Leinster rugby has grown. Like rugby just took off really here, I think, you know, particularly in Dublin. The 2008-09 season, um, obviously Leinster go on to play in a final against Lesser Tigers, you're doing the head count on the way to the ground and you're thinking, mm, looks like we're about three to one in terms of support. So since then, I think the interest and growth in the game has been, has been huge. Modern day success requires modern day facilities and quite a modern day coaching partnership. The Englishman and the Irishman. One thing you've cracked is your relationship with Stuart. What is it about each other? Why does it work? When Stuart's name came up, I was like, hmm, that could be a little bit interesting. And, you know, I, I talked to Andy Farrell. Obviously, they worked very closely together with England over a number of years. And, um, yeah, that, that, that synergy was, was appealing for starters, but also what, you know, Stuart can deliver in terms of his experiences as a head coach on, on the biggest stage. I think people felt that I'd want to be the head coach necessarily. And I said, no, 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 I've had enough of that. Thank you very much. I'll just uh, be happy just doing the coaching. He's come in with, with a lot of energy and enthusiasm and, um, yeah, the, the, the players have responded really well. I think the boys might be smiling at this now, they'll be thinking, um, uh, they'll be thinking, energy, Jesus, you're flogging us every day. <laughs> I think Stuart's about to bring a real freshness in, new ideas, we sort of have the same sort of defence setup as Ireland have under Andy Farrell and, and look, that's enjoyable, that, that continuity there. How important has Leinster been in your work and rejuvenation? Yeah, I mean, I owe them a lot. Um, uh, they, they were the ones who um, had the, the confidence and, and, and to, to ring me up and say, would you like to join us? And, uh, you know, it's a difficult position when you've lost your job as a national coach. Um, you sort of sit there and thinking, right, what's the next step? I've got two bits of advice. One from Wayne Smith was get back to doing what you love, which was coaching. And Wayne Bennett, who's the Australian rugby league coach, he'd said to me, wherever you go, make sure you 100% want to go and they 100% want you to come. And that's how it feels here and that's why it's worked so well. Were you surprised how big Leinster rugby is? Um, I'm not just talking about match day, I'm talking about the, the community, people talking about it in supermarkets. Did that catch you out? They all have affinity to Leinster. You know, I've not come across a team with so many homegrown players. So the identity uh, is incredibly strong and that's why their success is, is the way it is in the Pro 12 but also in Europe this year. So, huge game coming your way on Saturday. Wasps are in town. It's hard to find a weak point, bar the fact they have leaked a lot of tries. That's yeah, they don't seem to mind leaking three or four tries because they'll just score five or six. They like to play a high-tempo, high-energy game. Do you just try and match that? We, we like to try to play the same sort of tempo, um, play fast if we can, and, and try to exploit the space wherever that may be. 
two really exciting sides. I think for the neutrals out there, it's going to be a fantastic game of rugby. How are you feeling about it? Excited. Now, I mean, you look at the league tables and uh, we're top of the Pro 12, they're top of the Aviva. I think they've scored 70 odd tries this season, so have we. So uh, something's got to give. Yeah, great game. You can catch extended film at 8.45 on Saturday, 1st of April. Much, much deeper version of that on BT Sport 2. That's Sport in Focus, Leinster Rugby from the ground up. It's a really good watch. And thanks to everyone at Leinster for allowing us to wander around the place for the day. Um, the main theme to come out of that uh, day at Leinster, I thought, was, was about how they see themselves as being very similar to Wasps. And when you look at the stats, lads, yeah, they are very similar, mm. certainly when it comes to attack. Both two really good attacking sides. Tries scored, Leinster are first and Wasps are ranked second. This is Champions Cup averages per game over the Champions Cup so far. The difference, fellas, I guess, is when it comes to defence. In fact, it's a stark difference. Look at that. Points conceded average, 14.5 by Leinster, 18.7 by Wasps. That's 4.2 more per game, and which is quite a lot when it gets to the tight knockout stages of a competition. The more worrying thing for Wasps, and the boon, I guess, for Leinster, is when that is happening. This is the last Last 20 minutes in Champions Cup matches so far. Leinster score their most points, 79 in that period, as do Wasps, in fairness to them. But look, Leinster's defence, just five conceded, Wasps 35 conceded. That is a worry for Wasps, is it not, Lawrence? How do they fix it? It is a worry. I mean, uh, you know, they're not happy with the way that they've been defending. I think, first things first, both these sides will give each other the utmost respect. I mean, they're both top of their respective league. You know, Wasps have only lost three games this season. In the, uh, in the Premiership, and they've only lost one in Europe. So they're doing something right. Um, I think they've been outscoring sides, they've been averaging four tries a game, but as you say, quite rightly, in recent games, I think they've leaked about 12 tries in the last three matches, which is not good at all. Um, I think they've got the talent, they've got the, uh, they've got the players in, in there. It's a question of whether they can arrive mentally. And my, I guess my concern is that Leinster are packed full of Ireland internationals, and all those players have been playing at a slightly higher level than we've seen in, in most club rugby. And the question is, can Wasps, led by the likes of um, Joe Launchbury and James Haskell, can they lift their level up to the international level that's going to be required to win? Well, the Wasps full of internationals themselves, yeah. to, to be fair, but I guess the Leinster guys have been together a, a long time. Is this a chink in the armour for Leinster to attack? Yeah, potentially. When, we saw this, when I saw this graphic first, I was um, pretty enthralled by it because at the start of a week, you know, your, your coaching ticket tends not to go through, to run too much on stats. It's about what they uh, are watching at the weekend. Married with a small bit of stats put in there as well from a work rate point of view. But it's actually on that point that I find that most interesting. Uh, speaking to uh, Stuart Lancaster and to uh, a few of the Leinster players, he, he, a lot of teams back themselves for fitness. That You know, skill um, is one thing, but you don't need any skill level for fitness. So teams really try and push them hard to be the fittest team out there. But I do think that Leinster have a small bit of an edge in that department. I know that Stuart Lancaster runs them really hard on Tuesdays because they're an 80-minute team. And that shows in that last 20 minutes. You work down teams for 60 minutes and you, come to, you, you, you get your glory in the last 10, 15, 20 minutes. Now, when you get to knockout stages, it's going to take even longer to, to, uh, to break down the better sides. But I think that is a, is a real standout stat, scoring 35 versus 5. So I, I do think that Wasps will come over. And it'd be interesting to see what you think, Lawrence. Can, can, you, can you plug the holes that... You know, they've, they leaked last weekend against Worcester, or is it a case of them just switching off when they had the game done? I think, 
I think they, they would say mentally. I mean, these were two soft tries that they conceded. And I think the, one that re the, the thing that really frustrates Dai Young and, and hopefully some of the players is that you need sides to earn the right to score tries. And certainly these were a couple of soft tries. They've, they, they've got this tendency to have quite a passive line speed. They can't afford that the weekend. They rested key players. Tommy Taylor at hooker, I think, adds a lot more to their defensive game. James Haskell clearly will be their defensive leader and, and captain. Uh, and obviously, you know, Joe Launchbury. So, yeah, I think mentally, um, look, they are conceding too many points and that is a worry. But uh, there's not many sides that have stopped while scoring quite a few points as well. And that's something that Leinster are going to have to do. Two great sides, no doubt about that. Um, a few injury concerns for Leinster. How do you think it's going to... Key areas, back row, kind of back three. How do you think it's going to pan Yeah, out? I think ordinarily when a team would lose a player like um, Jamie Heath of the calibre of, of him, you would think uh, you know, they're going to be weaker for it. But you look at the embarrassment of riches in that, mm. in that back row. You know, Jamie absent. Now it looks as though... You know, Sean O'Brien probably go to eight or maybe him at six. Uh, Jack Conan, who scored a hat-trick during um, the group stages, he gets his opportunity to shine on, on, uh, on the flank or at number eight. And Josh van der Fleer, who just came back from, from injury from a, a few weeks off, slots in in a more natural seven jersey. So I think that's a lovely balance to that back row. And when you think about Dan Levy, who was playing against England a couple of weeks ago, he's going to be sitting on the bench too. I think that that, that, that is an area that they'll look to really dominate. And we know how much that um, back rows have an impact and an influence on how the game actually pans out. And I think that that's definitely a strength of Leinster and they'll really need them playing a full tilt. A few concerns about Willie LaRue over the weekend and uh, I don't know, was James Haskell, did he have a bit of a knock? How are they looking? I think James Haskell, a bit of a dead leg. Um, you know, again, Nathan Hughes will probably start today. They'll probably look at Thomas Young. I mean, what we do know is this game, the, the playing philosophy of both sides is that they like to go out there and play with pace, play with ambition. Nigel Owens is refereeing this game, so it's going to be fast. We, can, we guarantee that. I think it'll be brilliantly refereed. Might be quite loose at times. And it promises to be a really, really exciting game. Yeah, just, just one final thing. I think looking at the defences and, and the attacking uh, capabilities of that Wasp backline, I just wonder who in that backline makes the big hit. You know, if you're thinking the conventional daily at, at centre with Goppert, uh, Curtly Beale and, and Wade on, on, on fullback and wing, I just don't know if you need a momentum changer, who's the guy that steps up to the plate? I'm not sure if it's there. So is it somewhere that Leinster will go after Wasp to try and bully that backline? Yeah, how will Wasps play at Lawrence? It really has your mind wandering, doesn't it? It should be an absolutely brilliant game. Let's get some news from inside the Wasps camp. Ali Eakin was there for a bit of a nose round. This is what happened. Well, Wasps and Leinster are, of course, familiar European adversaries. Last season, Wasps battered the Irish province both home and away in the pool stages. But this campaign has seen a very, very different Leinster. This is a heavyweight showdown that really does promise some fireworks. Your form has been... Excellent, hasn't it? I mean, you're scoring a heck of a lot of tries. You might have one or two issues from the weekend defensively. We're not happy with our defences. You know, we have to be far more ruthless in our defence. We have far more pride in our defence, really, that we're not going to leave teams get, get easy yards. Every game is, is hugely important and every game has significance. There's no, there's no tomorrow after this game, obviously. If we, if we don't get the result, we're out. It's as simple as that. We know we're up against it. We know we're playing a quality team and we're going to have to be at our best. You obviously had great success against them in the pool stages. Is this Leinster team just in a vastly different place? Look, I think they're a totally different team um, you know, 12 months ago from where they are now. And when I was here, guys like Gary Ringrose, Adam Byrne, those guys were in the academy and, and playing with, uh, like training with us every day, but not playing. And you could just see there, and you know, this is only 12 months down the track, 
um, you know, international players. So, you know, a lot of those young guys have really made the step up and I think that's what Leinster do really well. And what about those late kicks that have become something of a speciality of yours in this competition? You don't mess about when you're kicking, do you? Ball on the tee, couple of steps back, smack it. Yeah, pretty much every goal kick will tell you. You have the same routine um, you do if it's the first kick of the game or, or the one to win the game in the 80th minute. Hopefully, hopefully it doesn't come to that this weekend. We had a good run last year, but to lose two semi-finals in, in the two big competitions was, was quite hard to take at the time. But I really hope we've learned from it. We're, we're back here again now playing these big games and not, there's not many bigger than this weekend. I'm confident we've got the quality in the squad. I'm confident we score points. What I need to see from the players now, have we got the belly for the fight? I think we have, but they've got to go and demonstrate in these big games now. Let's focus on the European quarterfinals then, and we'll start maybe with Munster to lose. And Brian, let's talk about Conor Murray, because at the moment, Munster is saying that he's 50-50 as to whether or not he'll make it um, on the weekend. If he doesn't, it seems like an obvious answer, but how big a loss will he be? Yeah, a massive loss, I think. I saw him post a picture on Instagram today of training earlier on. <laughs> it was sunny, and we know the sun doesn't shine in Limerick very often, so <laughs> I'm watching, thinking it had to be pre-season and he's just throwing a curveball in there. Um, but he would be a big loss. I think he's struck up a brilliant 9-10 uh, partnership with Tyler Bladenthal. Uh, they've been really good, and just knowing when to drive the team forward. His kicking game is exceptional, but also his defensive understanding of where he needs to be to plug holes. Um, Duncan Williams is a nice player, but nothing on Conor Murray. As much as Ireland uh, missed Conor Murray, I think Munster all the more so when they don't have him. Mm, definitely. Uh, and it's such a huge emotional day for Munster because they want to be back in, in the knockout stages of Europe again. They've missed out for a few years. That kind of thing, Lawrence, when you look you know, from afar, not as an Irishman, look uh, from just a, a neutral, it's a massive, massive thing for them, isn't it? Yeah, it's huge. And given um, you know, the season that they've had, it's been, they've been exceptional, I think, the way that they've really bounced back, um, you know, all the emotion that they've had hanging over them all season. Peter Mahoney's led them superbly. He was the star man for Ireland. And you know, he'll be the star man again. He's just led that whole team, really pulled them all together. And uh, with or without Conor Murray, uh, you know, I, I expect them to go on and win that game. Very, very difficult to beat at home. And just their record as well in European quarterfinals. They've won seven of their eight home European quarterfinals. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been oh, on rugby you. tonight for a few weeks. I expect it all swatting. Doing a bit of reading. Um, <laughs> three years with Stad, you have a pretty good idea of how it works in the top 14. Uh, Toulouse, uh, former Giants, Giants no more, more, certainly of this season's formers, I think, to go by. What is going on and can they compete against the Mighty Munster? I mean, the, the answer is I don't think so, but, you know, it, the French can always spring a surprise, we say, and it's a, it's a club steeped in history and pride, and, and they, they want to be back up you know, in, in, those, in those European finals. But uh, the, I think gone are the day of, of, you know, the, of the Toulouse side being the champions. Munster are on a roll. They have, they're formidable at home, and I think that's going to be too much, too big a ask for Toulouse. Also formidable at home, Saracens, Austin. They were unbelievable over the course of the weekend. The returning internationals have just slotted in there. They look kind of unbeatable at the moment, don't they? Well, I mean, when, obviously, all the group stages started, Saracens seemed to qualify after about two weeks uh, with a home quarter final. But I think, and we mentioned this a little bit in commentary at, at the game at the weekend, uh, the one side in, at the top eight that are left that you probably wouldn't want to play if you were Saracens are Glasgow. Very, very dangerous attacking side, can play with a lot of width very, very quickly, and they play on a plastic pitch week in, week out. So those two 
uh, factors, bringing it together, I, I think it's, uh, it levels up the playing field, if you, you know, pardon the pun, <laughs> slightly. And uh, I think Glasgow can go down there to Allianz Park with high expectations. But Sarries are playing really, really well, as we saw at the weekend. OK, so we know it's going to be a feast of rugby this weekend, as it's also the quarterfinals of the Challenge Cup. With Bath and Breathe, I want to ask what, what you guys think. It's, it's a tough one for Bath, isn't it? Because do they now, given that they're, they're obviously still in the hunt for the Premiership title, do they kind of whack out their kind of first team or do they, do they you know, rest some? I don't, I don't know. What would well, you I do? think off, on the back of the performance that we saw against Saracens, I think the coach left them in no one uncertain doubt that he wants a, a reaction from that. So I, I suggest that the ones who were lucky enough to be picked after the, the way that they performed against Saracens, particularly in the second half, and I'm sure he'll go, he'll go full ball because it's an opportunity in front of a home crowd, um, you know, to progress to a European semi-final and, uh, you know, they need to bounce back. As Ospreys playing absolutely brilliant, brilliant, brilliant rugby and uh, hopefully we're going to see them in the Champions Cup next season because they're sitting well in the t top uh, in the Pro 12 at the moment. Um, are they just completely unstoppable at the moment, the run they're in? Well, I think in the quarters, yeah. I think out of all the quarters, it's the easiest one to call. I think the Ospreys will go through. Stad will go there with, a, obviously, a, a strong side on paper, but they've, had, they've got so many problems. Their heads are elsewhere with what's been going on with merger talk. And I think the quality that we've seen from Ospreys this year and, they, and the ability to mix their game up as well is one of the reasons why I think they will definitely go through. I still would think that maybe Bath Ospreys, we could see them going head to head. They did lose last week, they this did, weekend yeah, though, yeah, didn't they, 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 they had a bit of an embarrassing one, mm. to, a, a, an away loss to Treviso. Didn't even get a losing bonus point. That's tough to uh, travel back. quite a lot though, doesn't it? When you've got your eyes on the prize elsewhere, you take, mm. you know, you, you lose concentration and there's a few guys missing, mm. which we'll see back this weekend. So I, 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 you can't bet against Ospreys in that quarter. In, in terms of stats, how distracting is that, is that, Ollie, when you've got a lot of things kind of obviously going on off the field for, for, for players? How distracting is that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's all over the place at the moment there, to be honest. They, they rallied last on, on the weekend to beat Toulon and that was a, you know, a big proud moment. A proud moment for the for the players, and it was a statement they wanted to make. If they go down to the Ospreys and, and, and back that up, it's it's a big uh, it lumps the pressure back onto to Thomas Selva, their their owner, who's obviously caused this this, this chaos. You know, announcing one week that they're going to merge, and then the week later it's all off. You know, I think there's there's huge change going on there. There's players that are going to be trying to exit you know, the, the club, and that decision, I think, going public with that decision without even consulting the players has Crazy. been a bit of a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> Financially, how bad are things at Stad? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're bad, even though they won the top 14 two years ago. You know, they're, they're losing £6 million Euros a year as a club, so you know, that's unsustainable. Uh, I think that's you know, a problem that's happening within the French League because they're not regulating things, but uh, you know, that's one of the reasons why the merge has happened. But I, I still think there's, because of what's going on and, and with you know, Parise rallying everyone, I, I think that there's a real chance they could go there. Uh, and cause a bit of an upset, but you know, on, on form, you would say they haven't got a chance. It, it would be unfair of us on Ospreys not to show their pool, though, Brian, because this has never been done before in Challenge Cup, our Champions Cup history, to win every game with a bonus point. Unbelievable, yeah, they, isn't it? Yeah, they were incredible, and um, I think you, you look at some individual performances, I think Justin Tipperick was phenomenal. Um, he seemed to be everything, everything good about them seems to go through him, and a lot of sides kind of switch off when it's Challenge Cup. Um, teams that are competitive in their domestic league, but not them. To win 30 out of 30 points is pretty remarkable.
earlier today, Craig got the chance to speak to Mike Ford ahead of Toulon's Champions Cup quarterfinal match against Clermont. Well, Mike, thanks for joining us from the south of France. Huge game this weekend against Clermont. Uh, how are they set up? How do you think it's going to go? Well, it's a tough game. Um, Clermont played very, very well at home. Um, they're probably one of the best sides in Europe at the moment in the way they attack. You know, they've got threats all over the park and are tough to beat. Firmly, Clermont are the favourites. But, um, you know, I've selected my team already, Craig, and, you know, I was just looking through it then before you called and 19 of the 23 are test players. And I've seen a different edge to the players this week at training, just like it was the last time we played in the Champions Cup against Saracens away from home. What about the team? Are all your stars playing? Who's in it? The only person missing for us is, is, is uh, Matthew Gitto. Um, you know, we've got Mamuka, got Godsey missing as well in the forwards. But we're pretty much at full strength. You know, Joshua Tuisova will be back somewhere in the 23. And, um, you know, we, we've got a great back line out there. We've all played test football and, and, and a big, strong pack as well. So, you know, we just need to focus in on our start and, and making sure that, you know, we're in the game at 50, 60 minutes and uh, we, we can uh, get a result that we want. I spoke to Stuart Lancaster on Monday and he said the key to going to Leinster was on advice. Go to a club that wants you and go to a club that you want to go to. What club in the Premiership fits those categories for you, do you think? <laughs> well, I'm not, uh, I'm not going to be disrespectful and, and say I want to go to a club that I've already got coaches in place. But, I mean, the English Premiership is, you know, is... Uh, one of the best competitions, if not the best in the world. It's very, very well refereed. Uh, and every team's very well coached, I believe, and got good infrastructure. Um, and it's similar in France, although it's different in terms of the way they play and the way they see things. But, um, Craig, I'm at, I'm at a stage in my career, my, as you know, my boys are all grown up. I'm at a stage in my career to... to I'm keen to um, experience different challenges around the world. And, um, you know, it's not just the Premiership that... That appeals to me. It's it's all over the world, and um, you know I'm I'm open to you know looking at all the possibilities in different countries. Well, look, whatever you do, best of luck and best of luck this weekend. I hope it all goes your way. Thanks very much, Mike. All the best. Cheers, Craig. Really interesting to get the thoughts of Mike Ford there, Brian. Um, two absolute heavyweights, not just of French rugby but European rugby. Second in the top 14 against fourth. You've been looking at Claremont. How do you see this one panning out? Yeah, I think they've been perennial underachievers the last number of years. Other than last year's brain freeze, they've qualified for the knockout stages yeah. previous five, but never actually won it. And it's a huge surprise why. You look at some of these stats from the group stages, their attack game is magnificent, and particularly in Stade Marcel Michelin. Four and a half tries per game, averaging out. What I love about them is they make a lot of line breaks, but their conversion is excellent. Mm. And it comes off their offload game. They're happy throwing 50-50s. The crowd love it. That's the expectation of how they play their style, particularly at home. So, so they're gonna, you, you can be sure they'll deliver that massively in spades. But this is one of the most impressive things. Or Z stands for red zone. So that's every time they get into a crossover, the opposition 22, yeah. they manage to score over two and a half points. That's very, very high. And obviously it's first in all of the stats. Now, what I would like to, to, to see them do this weekend as well is get the ball into one of the sh shortlisted European Player of the yeah. Year uh, nominees in uh, Nakasaki. This guy, it was, we, we were covering this game against Bordeaux, it was a 9-6 classic. But this guy was the shining light throughout it all. They, you know, he's, he's absolutely devastating with ball in hand. Probably a few question marks over his defence, 
But still, going forward, I don't know if there's too many better wingers uh, in, in the Champions and, Cup now. And, and for me, Camille Lopez gives them a little bit of an extra dimension. They've always had Brock James and some slightly more conservative players. Do you think that, you know, they'll look to, uh, to throw the ball around a bit more? Yeah, I think he's playing with a lot of confidence. I think looking at his stats too, he is a passing 10. He kicks a small bit, but he's not afraid yeah. to go too. I think he's playing with a lot of confidence. Top point scorer in the Six Nations. Uh, just looking at them defensively, Again, some pretty impressive stats. You look at the amount of turnovers that they've, they've managed to win. Again, first in the, in the Champions Cup and first in the top 14. Yep. Now, that is going to be a keenly contested uh, breakdown area. It's not just turnovers don't just happen in the tackle. It happens from forcing pressure and defence, even, even getting after mm. kick space. Uh, but that is going to be so brutal at the weekend. Should make for a really interesting uh, debate. What, what about my personal favourite? Penalties conceded. I was always guilty of giving a fair few away myself. For, for a French team, um, sorry, for a French team to be first in yeah. the Champions Cup is pretty remarkable. 7.8. Your coach would probably be pretty happy with conceding that amount of penalties. Top 14 is, yeah. is a little over 10. Uh, but again, French sides tend to concede a little bit more than uh, the other nations. I'm not going to lie. Toulon have not been playing well particularly all season. They've really struggled away from home. The, the, the turnovers at the breakdown with Vermeulen is one area I think they can really uh, look to try and dominate Claremont. But if there is a sort of a, a beacon of light, I think it's around their set piece. Um, you know, traditionally a very strong team. They've got huge uh, reserves on the bench as well. We talked about Mike Ford saying 19 out of 23 of the players are full-blown test players. And I think certainly their stats would back up the fact that at scrum, they're going to look to attack Claremont. Uh, and at line out too. So, you know, possibly, um, you know, the set piece could be a good area for them. Um, attacking wise, you know, nothing spectacular here. Um, they got absolutely uh, beat, you know, taken to the cleaners when they went to uh, Claremont previously. I think they lost by 30 points. So for me, they're going to try and slow the game down. They're going to try and make it quite a big set piece battle, perhaps quite a bit of kicking. Um, but I don't think you can write off a team that have got the likes of Bastaro and Mar Nonu. Um, you know, in the centres, uh, Tuisova possibly coming off the bench and Brian Habana there. And, and in terms of goal kicking, they've got Lee Halfpenny, who's around about the 85% mark. Yeah, I just, I fear that, you know, the, the loss of Matt Gitto to injury again, very frustrating season for him. I think he can often be the difference in these close games. Yeah. And it's just a great shame that we're not going to get to see him uh, this weekend. But again, it's, it, you know, you know, Claremont aren't unassailable at home anymore. They had this phenomenal record for, you know, 60 unbeaten games. That's gone. Sides have picked them off a small bit the last while. I just don't know if Toulon are firing well enough to be able to uh, hit a, a Claremont team in really, really good form this season. I think this might be their year. Well, listen, pick your winner. Toulon been struggling. Bran and I think that Claremont at home might just edge this one. Throughout the week on Twitter, we've been asking you about your Lions team, which we showed you last week. There's been loads of responses. Here's a few examples of them. Ed Hudson, he said, could Henderson force his way into the six-shirt as a combative jumper, Tipperick and Billy Vunapola to carry around the park? What do you think to that, guys? Henderson? Yeah, I think he can, I think he can get in. I think he, obviously, we saw him play really well against, uh, against England. And the fact, the versatility of second row, if they are going to carry eight uh, back rowers or... 13 between second row and back row. I think he can, he can sneak in. OK, another one here. Don't get the love for uh, Alan Wynne-Jones. Would personally prefer Gray or one of the Irish boys in with a toji in the tight? Guys? I just think it's such a competitive area, the second row and the back row. That look, Everyone keeps talking about who are going to be the surprises in the Lions team. There'll be some surprises with the quality of players that get left behind. 
I think for the Gray brothers, they were going really well until they got down to Twickenham. Uh, and there's just so much quality. Alan Wynne-Jones is an outstanding player. I'm not sure who tweeted that, but Alan Wynne-Jones is an outstanding from, player. Uh, for me, that's, that's absolute rubbish. He's, he's, Miss, he's Mrs. One of, Mrs. Gray. <laughs> for me, he's a shoo-in uh, to the test team. He's respected down there. He's been on two Lions tours. He captained them in the third test. I think he's, he's I, guaranteed. I, th I think the biggest selection headache for Warren Gatland is going to be in that back row area. Who to take, who not to take, because there are so many good players. Some are playing, you know, fantastically well and pick themselves, like Billy Vanapola and, and certainly, you know, Sam Warburton has really upped his game. But there are other players who he wants to take, like Toby Faletau, like Sean O'Brien, who haven't necessarily been playing to the very top of their game. So that, for me, is the area that's going to cause the most interest. OK, so we went through the team last week and some of the ideas of who would be selected. But um, obviously tonight we asked you guys at home who you thought would be your bolters for, this, for the tour, guys that could potentially come in off the radar. Well, first guy, Elliot Lee. Elliot Lee, too, as said, mentioned Hibbard could be a dark horse. I think you'll find uh, he's, a, he's a blonde horse, mm -hmm. uh, but he's in great form at the moment, which is certainly true. Not a great... Yeah, he's playing well for Gloucester. Um, he hasn't managed to get a recall at international level. Um, and I just think maybe, again, with the likes of... Jamie George, I don't think he's a bolter. I think he's definitely going as yeah. far as I can, uh, you know, I, I can see. At whose so. expense? At well, whose expense? Oh, listen, I'm telling you now, he should be there because he's head and shoulders one of the best hookers in, uh, in the whole of the I Six think Nations. talking about the wingers, I think that is probably not an area of strength like, any, like other positions. I think you look at Dane Coles, they'll definitely feel as though... Uh, they have the edge on whoever's selected. OK, um, moving on to wingers then. This is from Matt Palace. Uh, thanks, Matt. He says, I think Chris Ashton uh, is in, in with a great shout. Every level, he's a deadly finisher and has worked to improve his weak areas. Yeah, I just... I love him on a fast track. That's why he goes so well, uh, playing for Saracens on is the 4G. on the, is 4G. the plane or are we...? I, I, don't, think, I, don't, I don't think so. Un, he, unless he scores a hat-trick this weekend, I don't see him getting in. I'm, I'm, I'm a huge Chris Ashton fan. I think he's brilliant um, in Champions Cup. He's been in the international uh, wilderness, but I just I think there's still a couple of question marks around his defence that Warren Gatlin won't like, and it's going to be a physical game. He likes a fast, free-flowing game. So we're saying Solomona then. Here's an interesting one I haven't seen much of. Jared Payne must be considered. Yeah. Uh, can cover 13 and 15, and they will need that versatility. Maybe this guy, though, keeps him out of that trip. Very possibly, yeah. Jared Payne probably, it's going to hurt them that he only managed to come back yeah. for, the, uh, for the England game. Um, he well didn't, he, yeah, he did play well. He had a couple of horror moments dropping the first couple of balls, but then he really got into it. And if you are looking for someone super sturdy, you, you, you could do worse than going with him. And Lol, finally, back to your back row area. Angus Harley thinks that uh, Hamish Watson, outstanding in the loose and over the ball. Yeah, he played well, but there's only two sevens that are going, and that's Tipperick and Warburton, in my, in my mind. Two out-and-out out sevens, um, and I think both of them deserve to go. I do think this guy will be captain. Um, what Haskell? Uh, Haskell? Haskell, I no. think, will go. Um, primarily because it's not just about picking very good rugby players, which James Haskell is. It's also about picking very good tourists. And, you know, he will be a, a player that will, uh, you know, glue a lot of people together and have a lot of fun. Just on that point, the bookies stopped taking bets on him today. When, <laughs> which when, which when did you go it into? Was, it, was, <laughs> it, was at, it was lumped at one to five, so someone's in the now. Oh, you just got the ten grand in, did you, before they closed the book? You're an idiot at doing it three weeks ago. <laughs> Can we <laughs> talk <laughs> centres? Can we get Brian to talk yeah. centres? Yeah, let's do centres. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we didn't get a chance last week. Um, don't pull him out. No. Leave it. It's Leave not. It. I, I love Foxy. And he deserved to get play in the final <laughs> test four Let years ago. Go, okay. go. But I don't, I don't think he's playing his best stuff at the moment. Yeah, of course and um, 
Where is he? Where is Where is my my boy Henshaw? It's four years. It's four years ago. There he is. Really move on. He's got to be. He, you know, everyone sees him as a 12. He played a lot of 13 for Connacht and a lot of 15. His, he's versatile as well. I just think um, that those two as a com centre combination could be really good. I know that he likes him as a player. And I think that sometimes counts for a lot. And you mentioned that Roberts could potentially go. I mean, I know both of you have been round to Warren Gatlin's house in the past week and you've been having dinner with him and you, you pretty much know the whole squad. So is, is Roberts going or is he not going? I think there's a chance. There's an outside oh! chance. I think... Well, I wouldn't I, I, You can only go on what he mentioned. And I have to say, I wouldn't rule this guy out as well, by the way, as a potential tourist, George Cruz. He was given a little, a little name check by Warren Gatland in an interview. On recently. that, Lawrence, four more rounds of the Premier quarterfinals, semifinals and a final in Europe of course, Pro 12 has to finish up how many places will be earned over the next month and a half? I think certainly in the, in the big games as you get down to the business end, I mean the, the, he's got to name the squad in on uh, April the 19th so it really comes down to these next two rounds of games So you don't think he has that team in his head yet? I, I don't think so yet, I think, I'll tell you one guy that has needs a huge game this weekend Sean O'Brien, he's been a little bit quiet in the Six Nations, I know that, that Gats and, and, and Andy Farrell like him but he could really do with a massive game this weekend. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Tonight podcast. We'll be back again next week. See you then. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.